some of the things I liked about science fiction the most were the robots. So the Jetsons had Rosie the robot who was a home care robot that had AI, even though I didn't know it was called artificial intelligence. She, she acted like a person. She had personality. She had emotions. She wasn't perfect, um, but she could see, she could talk, she could move around. And the same with the, the robot on Lost in Space. They had a robot that could do some of the same similar things and had, um, you know, extreme intelligence. And, you know, I would dream about, you know, making or having a robot like that one day, but also all kinds of things I liked about, um, you know, rockets. I would try to design rockets and my brother would, you know, um, get rocket kits and uh, we'd build those things. So, um, yeah, science fiction, I think, opened up my imagination and gave me the, um, the, the dreams of what could be possible. So I get asked a lot, not because of my faith, but just because of uh, what I do research in, is how can I do research in artificial intelligence if somehow AI and robots are going to take over the world and control humans one day? And that is spurred on by a lot of science fiction. And in fact, we're we have a program that's sponsored by the National Science Foundation, uh, the National Robotics Initiative, where we're developing a culturally responsive humanoid robotics curriculum for underrepresented girls. And I'm working with a colleague at Arizona State who's an expert on culturally responsive pedagogy. And one of the things that, that she helps us bring out in our curriculum is that um, young ladies are defined by more than just their gender, but it could be their race, it could be their socioeconomic class, it could be their immigration status. And, and so uh, what we end up doing in that curriculum, we let them see uh, snippets of science fiction movies so that they can see how robots are kind of classified and how um, uh, people give robots an identity that's a lot of time it's, you know, it's evil or they're out to no good. Um, so, so there are issues on how the media portrays robots. But lately, as people have been asking me these things, I have, it has driven me to think a little bit more about the ethics related to um, robotics, um, social robotics, policies related to robotics. I think what's happening is um, technology is moving faster than we are with our laws and our policies. And a good example is um, driverless cars. So um, we already have cars that are robotic in nature, that can drive by themselves. But now we have to start answering the question, who's responsible if that car is in an accident? Uh, what decision does that car have to make if they see like a little girl in front of them, but then they also see a bus on the left side and they see a, a cliff on the, the right side? So there's a lot of ethical issues um, related to that. And so what one of the things that this is spurring me on is to take a, a, a another direction in some of my research into looking at um, the policies and the ethics related to social robots because these are robots that are going to work in close cooperation with people and we do need policies we need to um, build in um, protective measures in our technology so they don't take advantage of minorities they don't take advantage of um, uh, a certain gender they don't take advantage of um, a certain social economic class so yes, um, I think 
it's a good thing that I know about these things so as so I can use my faith to inform um, you know what's going to be good for people and help um, create technology and policy that's going to um, ensure people's safety and, and um, livelihood. That whole area of technology and how it's affecting society is um, there's a lot of questions that still need to be answered and there's a an author at MIT she's written a book called um, I think it's called Lonely Together and she talks about technology and I you know I remember first seeing how you know Steve Jobs changed the world when I started noticing going to the airport you know several years ago and having people all stare down at their phones and it was almost like they were praying um, but but yeah there's a lot of things that need to be addressed I, I see for example, virtual reality, you know, people are really pushing for that, but they don't really know what virtual reality is going to be used for. And when there's no real purpose for it, it usually ends up being used for uh, bad things, you know, things that aren't going to be constructive, that are more destructive in nature. So one of the, the comments I made to Steve Jobs when uh, FaceTime came out on the iPhone was that I really liked the fact that when I traveled, I could virtually tuck my daughter in bed and tell her story and pray with her before she went to bed at night. And I could see her face to face, even though I was you know, hundreds of miles away. So I think the ability for technology to um, connect people is, is very valuable. I also believe the ability for technology to help people with uh, illnesses um, or with injuries to be rehabilitated or even now potentially having you know robotic um, limbs or, or legs to help them walk. Um, I think those are the great things about uh, technology. The, the definition of technology is um, um, something that can improve the human condition. And so I think anytime um, the human condition, whether that's health or something else, can be improved with technology, I think that's great.